0: At all times, I have this low hum of anxiety in the background. There are times it becomes loud and demanding, but even when things are going well at work, it doesn't go away. Sometimes I'm anxious about the sheer volume of work ahead of me and how I will get it done. Sometimes it's about a challenging presentation or meeting that I have to take care of. And other times it is ruminating about a past event at work. When things are going well, my anxiety is about, what am I missing? Cannot be this easy. Am I doing everything I'm supposed to be doing? When things are not going well, like if something is broken at work, I continuously retrace my steps to see if it was my mistake. And having these imaginary conversations in my head where I'm justifying the decisions I made. If I were to look at my situation objectively, I am doing quite well at work. But in spite of this evidence, this feeling doesn't seem to go away. Living with this anxiety is exhausting. It affects my sleep. It affects my moods. It affects my relationships because I'm never quite present. I have been working with a therapist to learn how to better compartmentalize work, but also to develop trust in myself that whatever comes my way, I can handle it. If you are someone who is struggling with a similar experience, whether you know it by the name of high-functioning anxiety or not, this episode is for you. Heather Ryder, who is an anxiety coach, shares her story of how high-functioning anxiety impacted her life and some things you can do to win your mental peace back. Hi there. You are listening to Unseen Battles, A podcast that brings you behind the scenes stories from women leaders. This is your reminder that as you work through your career struggles, you are not alone. I'm your host, Parul Goyal. Every two weeks, I'll bring you raw, honest conversations with a successful leader about a challenge they faced and how it changed them. So let's get to it. Heather Ryder is an anxiety coach and an imposter syndrome educator. She personally overcame these conditions while working in a demanding tech job. She works with clients from all over the world who want to take a non-traditional holistic approach to healing anxiety. She regularly writes and presents on the issues of perfectionism, imposter syndrome, high functioning anxiety, and other anxiety-related topics. Heather, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You and I are going to talk about high functioning anxiety. Right? this was something you suffered from, and it impacted you. So, can you tell us what happened?
1: Yeah, I think it's such an interesting story because I didn't know that I had high functioning anxiety. It's sort of a hidden anxiety that's really common among high achievers. And one day, I was at work, I uh had been out of technology for 10 years mm-hmm. and I moved back to Austin to get back into technology and it took me a while to find a job and I landed one after looking for five months. So I had a I had a lot writing on this job, Mm -hmm. like a lot, and I remember so it was you know maybe uh, gosh second third week into the job, and I was sitting at my desk and I started to feel really overwhelmed. My chest started to get really tight. I felt. Like my heart rate was increasing. It sort of felt like I was having trouble breathing a little bit. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, I am so stressed out. Mm -hmm. And so I stood up and went away from my desk. And luckily we had an onsite gym in that building. And so I just went and got on the treadmill Mm -hmm. and walked for about 20 minutes until I felt, you know, that stress response lower. What I didn't realize is that that was me on the verge of having a panic attack. I I had no, yeah, I had no idea I was that close and I didn't recognize that, right? I just thought, oh, I'm so stressed out. So I knew that there was something going on, but I didn't understand sort of the extent of it. And so uh, at that job and then, you know, looking back other jobs before that, I really was struggling with high functioning anxiety for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And to me, I just thought, well, I'm just somebody who has a lot of attention to detail. Mm-hmm. I'm just someone who wants to make sure she's doing a really good job. And so the things that I was doing in my head weren't healthy at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it wasn't obvious to other people the extent that my anxiety played out. I used to hear comments from coworkers and, you know, people in my Personal life, like, oh Heather, you're so calm,
0: mm-hmm. or I'd
1: hear, oh you're you're such a laid back person. And wow. I remember, yeah, I remember when people would say that to me, I would think, what are they talking about? Because I did not feel that way on yeah. the inside, and I thought that the way I felt on the inside, which was like frenetic, I thought that that looked that way to other people, and unfortunately. That's a very common sign of high functioning anxiety. And I think that it's sort of a trap for people because when you get this external commentary that you're mm-hmm. calm, but you don't feel that way, you sort of think in your head, oh, well, maybe, maybe I, what's going on, isn't that big of a deal when it's it normal. actually is. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. it's normal because people think I'm calm. So I guess I'm doing Okay. And so yeah with high functioning anxiety there is just this need to watch out for any possible mistake that you might be making mm-hmm. uh and so I would spend inordinate amounts of time working on things mm-hmm. I mean way way more than was needed right it's like I say it's like the equivalent of a sunday where you're like putting the whipped cream on the top and then the sprinkles and then the cherries you know it just gets to the point where it's like not needed yeah. anymore and there's a law of diminishing returns. I yeah. mean, you could spend so much time on something. It doesn't really get any better. But I was doing that and I was doing that everywhere in my life.
0: I wanted to go back to the moment in your new job, like second or mm-hmm. third week when you had, but you came close to having that panic attack. Yeah. Uh, so I know you, you felt like there was a lot riding on that job. Was this pressure that you felt, was it internal or were there external factors also in that moment, like your manager were asking you for something or you didn't feel like you were fit for that job?
1: Oh, I think, yeah, I think it's a, it was a combination of a couple of things. It really was my high functioning anxiety. I think that was the majority of it. But the person that I went to, work for was someone that he and i had worked with each other previously before i left technology and we were peers Mm -hmm. so i had been out of technology as i mentioned for 10 Mm -hmm. years and his career you know continued to go up and Mm -hmm. so he was like at a director level and so he hired me because he knew the work the quality of work that i did but he did make a comment to me after i got hired That they were interested in another candidate, but that that other candidate um, they thought was probably not going to stick around for a a while, that he was just going to use the job as, you know, a springboard into something else. Yeah. And leave really quickly. So there was this implied we're taking a chance on you. We don't think you weren't like our first choice which is a really cruddy thing to tell your employee. It's
0: very thoughtless. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah. So I think that was part of it in my mind of like, I already felt like I had to prove myself, which is a huge yeah. part of high functioning anxiety anyway. But then there was this, oh, you've been out of this for 10 years. They took a chance on you. You better, you know, just kick yeah. booty at this job.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah, no, that that explains it. Anyway, you were you were trying to find your groove back with this job and to have that kind of commentary coming from you know previously your peer now your manager i can i can imagine that being tough right in the other parts of your life like you mentioned like this wasn't a one-off event one-off incident Mm -hmm. Uh, how has that this impacted your work your relationships your you know your life outside of work yeah
1: it it really affected my relationship with my daughters Mm -hmm. and i would be so frazzled from the mental energy that i was expending all of the time Mm -hmm. making sure things were perfect or replaying events in my mind over and over you know that had happened looking for how i could have done them better Mm -hmm. and so when i would get home from work Oftentimes I wouldn't be present with them, but often I lost my patience with them over very stupid things. Mm -hmm. And I would wind up screaming at my daughters. And I I don't mean just yelling at them. I mean, actually screaming at them. Mm -hmm. And they were in elementary school at that time. So they would wind up crying and I would feel very terrible and remorseful for what I did. And I knew I was ruining my relationship with them, but I couldn't stop my behavior so it was the high functioning anxiety really was trickling in everywhere. It wasn't only at work. It definitely affected my personal relationships also.
0: You know when you had this anxiety, what what were you afraid of? Like if you were to lower your standards, if you weren't to put the whipped cream and the sprinkles, yeah. Yeah. What, what would go wrong?
1: That is such a good question because Myself and anyone who struggles with high functioning anxiety, there is this need, I guess, to get things perfect. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that oftentimes somebody really goes down the rabbit hole of what will happen. Mm -hmm. It's it's some sort of unknown failure. Mm hmm. You don't necessarily know what the failure is. You just know that there is something that's not good on the other side of you not producing the the best work all of the time and everything that you do.
0: So is it fair to say there's this kind of ill-defined, irrational fear, like something bad would happen, but there's no definition to it?
1: Well, I mean, I think for some people there is for, I mean, so for some people, they might be like, uh, if they're talking about work, they're going to think I'm going to get demoted or I'm going to get fired. Uh, So I probably was, yeah, thinking that, um, at that particular job, but there were other jobs that I had where I wasn't thinking I was going to get fired. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think there is probably also for some people, just this, um, you know, sake of appearances sort of thing, like they don't want to look stupid or they don't want to look incompetent, Um, which is, again, ironic because people who have high functioning anxiety are so far from incompetent. Yeah,
0: Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because I think in one of my previous episodes, I said that my number one fear is somebody thinking that I'm incompetent or I don't deserve the role that I am in. And Mm -hmm. and like I would go to great lengths to avoid that from happening. And you're right. Some of that probably does translate into high functioning anxiety or the behavior uh, associated to it.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Uh, Heather, then at what point did you realize that this high functioning anxiety wasn't normal and the impact it was happening on your life?
1: I think that my story is probably unusual because I didn't realize that I had high functioning anxiety until I didn't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I'll make this a very short story. I wound up getting very sick with a severe autoimmune reaction. Okay. And it was triggered in part by that long standing stress from having high functioning anxiety because there are things that happen in your body when you're living in that chronic Mm -hmm. state, you know, your stress hormones, your cortisol and your adrenaline are high uh, Mm -hmm. most of the time, and they are not designed to be that way. So you sort of I burnt my nervous system out. And so I when I got sick, I didn't realize it was in part from the anxiety. And when I focused on healing my body, I did some unconventional things. okay, And that included a lot of emotional work. Mm -hmm. that I didn't set out to do, it just sort of happened and transpired that way. So my physical healing journey wound up giving me emotional healing that I didn't know that I needed. And then it was when the anxiety, the best way I can describe it is it just sort of started to melt away. Like I found myself feeling different and things that would bother me before weren't bothering me anymore. And the ways that I used to react I wasn't reacting that way anymore, and I just started to become so much calmer. Mm. And that is when, later looking back, I realized, oh my gosh, I had anxiety and I didn't even know it.
0: And Heather, I don't. I mean, that sounds like a night and day difference from how you used to feel, and then how it changed. Is is that an accurate? Oh description yeah,
1: I d- I definitely feel that way, and I feel like the great parts of Heather got to stay around, like they stayed with me and were sort of amplified. And then all of those sort of difficult characteristics or me or, you know, things that I really struggled with, those were gone. So it was a dramatic difference for sure.
0: And Heather, I'm sure there are multiple people, like many people in our audience who would hear, who would listen to your story and realize that they have some version of high functioning anxiety. I I also mentioned to you that since you and I talked a few weeks ago, I have diagnosed it in a few people I work with. Uh, What would be your advice to them? Like how, how do they get over it? How do they heal from it?
1: Well, this is the first thing that I want people to know and understand is that If you have high functioning anxiety, you can still be a very successful person without the anxiety. Hmm. People think, right, this is a subconscious belief structure, but they think, oh, it's this anxiety that makes me successful. If I don't Mm -hmm. have this, I'll become lazy. I'll become apathetic. Those are words that I've heard many times before. And so I want people to know that's not true. I'm highly successful. I still have a lot of drive, right? But it's not driven by anxiety. And so if people can realize that there is a better way of living, then that can be their motivation into getting help. And I, I do tell people there are things that you can do on your own. But for the most part, people are probably going to have to work with a professional, either a therapist or an anxiety coach like me, because the anxiety is there for a reason. There's a root cause. And it's very difficult for us to be able to know what that is, as I mentioned, like because of subconscious programming and things like that. Often the reasons that we feel the way we feel are hidden from us, we don't realize them. And so for one to be able to do the work to sort of extract that on their own, it's not impossible, it can be done. But it takes, um, it takes a while. And if you hire somebody to help you, you could probably get there a lot faster.
0: Yeah, no, I absolutely understand what you're saying. I I have noticed this about myself that when I am anxious, I am coming from a place of fear right i am doing something because if i don't do it something bad would happen rather than from a place of like oh i really want this result like from this like instead of from this positive goal oriented place i'm coming from a place of avoiding something right so yeah
1: those are very different places to come from right and that is interesting you said fear because really that is like if we get at base level emotions Uh any anything that is driving you is either from fear or from love Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and uh fear can be a big motivator right i mean it does work but it it feels awful yeah
0: i mean it has its place right i mean if i am like if I am uh, trying to cross a busy street, maybe fear has its place, right? If I am working on a presentation, <laughs> probably, the, you know, the, the threshold for fear must be, must be uh, much lower. So Heather, you mentioned getting help from a therapist or an anxiety coach like yourself. Let's just say for some of our audience, it might be a journey to get to that point where they realize they need help. Is are there things people can do on their own?
1: Yes, and I mean, i am i I am pretty much an advocate for getting mental health help, but mm-hmm. people can try things like meditating um if somebody's not exercising, a lot of people I know, and this is true for me, I mean, exercise is a really great way to you know boost your endorphins mm-hmm. and sort of literally like blow off the steam, you know that mm-hmm. I, well, I guess not literally that's an expression, but So there are things that people can try on their own journaling works for some people, particularly if the journaling is prompts, not just like a blank workbook where they're supposed to write a bunch of stuff because then they look at it and they're like, I don't know what to write. But a lot of times journaling with very specific prompts can be helpful for people. Um, And the goal really, right, is to like become self-aware. and to notice your mind and to realize that all of those thoughts are not you. Mm -hmm. They're just thoughts. And that is such a hard thing to to do. I mean, our brain is, you know, it's a meaning making machine. It's going all of the time. And so we just take anything that we think and think, oh, that's real. But the reality is, It's not, it's just a thought that you had and you actually don't have to listen to it.
0: Wow. Yeah. You mentioned uh, exercising and uh, uh, meditating. Sometimes I feel like when I'm anxious, like because I just, like, I just keep thinking about ruminating on working on whatever I'm anxious about. And I actually tend to postpone these things. Like I would cancel my workout or say, oh, I don't really have time for meditation And ironically, those are the things that would actually help me in that moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, what you described is really common, right? Because if somebody has anxiety and they're a high achiever, they're going to do what you just said, like, oh, I know I should go on a walk, but I don't have time for that because I need to work more on this thing that I'm working on. But it's counterproductive a lot of the time, right? Like if you would just go on the walk or go do whatever, you'll feel a lot better and you'll probably finish up whatever it was that you were working on, like way faster, right? Because you took a break.
0: Yeah, sometimes just getting that, creating that distance uh, helps quite a bit. Absolutely. Heather, I want to ask you, um, how today, how do you draw the line? Now that you are a lot more aware of high-functioning anxiety, how do you draw the line between high-functioning anxiety and just having high standards? Like where does that line lie?
1: Yeah, that is such a great question. You're the first person who's ever phrased that that way. And this is what I do this, you know, I think I maybe even alluded to this earlier. If you have high functioning anxiety, you have high standards. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about the quality of your work because the quality of your work, it's like your C-level work is other people's A++++ I work. I see, okay. Right? And so there. There is this difference between having high standards and then spending time in your mind, like you and I were just talking about, where you're caught in a thought loop. replaying events over and over and over. I mean, I used to think about things sometimes for weeks at a time after they happen. That's obviously not healthy and productive, right? So there's a difference between knowing like, well, yeah, I care about the quality of work and I trust that I did a good job because I do a good job. I don't need to keep playing this out over and over in my mind because that is not healthy.
0: Got it. It's just kind of taking that pressure off yourself that you have to prove it to yourself, prove it to others, just knowing you are doing a good job.
1: Yeah, just trust. And you can look for evidence of that, right? Because sometimes people need evidence. And then you can say, oh, well, look at that thing you did. And then you look at that project you did or whatever it was that you produced. And you can be like, see, You know what you're doing and you do good work and you could have stopped working on that five hours before you did. And it still would have been amazing.
0: Yeah. Maybe it's just a matter of taking small risks, right? Okay, I'm going to not take another pass at it and see if anybody notices.
1: Yeah, I love that. Like, yeah, I'm something that's sort of low stakes, yeah. right? Like, oh, let's see. Yeah, if I sort of, I would have spent five hours on this and this time I'm going to spend two and a half. Let's see what happens.
0: Yeah. You know, it, it's uh, so as I've grown in my career, uh, my workload has gone up drastically. And I feel like sometimes I just don't have a choice. It's something I would have spent some presentation that I would have spent five hours on. I would spend two hours. I'm not really happy with it but it goes fine. Uh, And I wish I could go back and tell my younger self that, that maybe not spend five hours.
1: Well, I hope somebody is listening to us now and is going to take this to heart and say, yeah, I'm going to spend less time on this thing and know that it's it's not just good enough. Like good enough is actually very high quality.
0: Yeah. Heather, now you help other people uh, recognize that they have high-functioning anxiety and overcome it. Can you tell us a little bit more about your practice?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, my practice is called Heather Rider Coaching and I have some really unique and innovative ways that I have developed to work with people so that they can get results uh, in a short amount of time, which is something I mentioned before. So Mm -hmm. I work one on one with people and I do offer some group programs uh, periodically throughout the year as well.
0: How can our audience learn more about how to contact you uh, and more about your work?
1: Yeah, my website is heatherwriter.com. Um, excuse me, mm-hmm. Um, So that's just a great way to find out more about me. Um, I also have a YouTube channel. Uh, so if you search for Heather Writer Coaching on YouTube, you'll find my YouTube
0: channel also. And I'll make sure I include these resources in the episode notes. Okay, thank you. Heather, thank you so much for sharing your unseen battle with us. I feel like high functioning anxiety is such an important topic and we just don't even realize it exists.
1: You are, you are so welcome. Yeah, I hope that we um, you know, spoke to some people who needed to hear us in this episode.
0: Thank you, Heather. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. Also, help me spread the word by sharing the episode with a friend you think would like it.